Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll begin a study of the book of Ephesians from the New Testament. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and follow along while I read beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'd like to do in this episode is to give a little background about the letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians in Asia during the first century. This information may help inform our understanding of what Paul was writing and why, and give us possibly a richer insight into why Paul chooses the themes and the words that he does. Let's start by talking about the city of Ephesus itself. In the first century, scholars seem to think that the city of Ephesus had a population of about 250,000 people. For comparison, I live near Birmingham, Alabama, and in the last census, the population of Birmingham was 200,733 people. So Ephesus was even a larger city than Birmingham. It was a metropolitan area. It was a center of trade, but it was also a center of worship not necessarily of uh, God, as Paul talked about, uh, but it was full of imperial temples where people would go in and worship the current emperor or previous emperors as deity. They also had a very large temple to the goddess Artemis. It was actually a big part of their identity and their economy. It's because of this, when Paul went to Ephesus, as we read through the book of Acts, that he actually created a riot because Paul was going around saying, Jesus is Lord. To say Jesus is Lord was to take that title away from Caesar and attribute it to Jesus. The Caesars of this time, uh, they would demand to be referred to as Lord. And for Paul to say that Jesus was Lord instead of Caesar, would create some political tension. And then for Paul to go in and say that this Jesus is Lord and not Artemis, that the father of Jesus was the only God, and therefore Artemis was not a goddess, created a lot of problems for temple worship to Artemis, but also for those craftsmen who had made a living off of selling small statues of Artemis to people who would travel from all over the world to worship there. We read about the problems that Paul had in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 23. It says, About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth, and you see and hear that 
not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger not only that this trait of ours may come into disrepute, but also the temple and the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all of Asia and the world worship. You can see that this man Demetrius is very upset that because of Paul's teaching about God, people were turning away from worshiping Artemis. That would keep people from showing up at the temple to worship her, and it would keep him from being able to sell the things that he was selling that helped him make money off of the worship of Artemis. So as we read the rest of that story, a riot breaks out. Paul is uh, run out of town. In the very next chapter, Acts chapter 20, as Paul is making a journey toward Jerusalem, which he knows will probably result in his arrest, if not his death, he calls the elders of the church in Ephesus together, and he talks to them about his concerns. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 29, Paul says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul was very concerned that this church he had started in Ephesus may fall apart after he was gone because there may not be the kind of strength of teaching and commitment that would be necessary. So after Paul goes to Jerusalem and does get arrested and finds himself in prison, he writes a letter to the small church to kind of ground them in their faith and challenge them in their actions. In this letter that Paul writes to them, he is going to reveal that God has always had a plan. God had a plan from the very beginning, but for a long time, people were unsure what that plan was. God's people had gone into exile. They had come back. They were under the rule of Greeks and Romans and, and other nations throughout their history, and it wasn't really clear how God was working that out. But Paul will tell them in this letter that that plan is being revealed. And even how and when that this Jesus was a part of the original plan. But now Paul is going to tell them in this letter that this plan is being revealed so that they can see clearly what it is that God is up to. And he will show them that this plan has continuity from the beginning till now. God's people were always intended to reflect God's glory to the rest of creation. And so Paul will show that there is a unity of purpose in God's plan from beginning to end, that there is unity in the word that he spoke from beginning to end, and that there should be unity in the action of God's people from the beginning to the end. Paul will also illuminate some practical implications of this plan. Paul will help us see how this plan plays out for the church, for Christians of our time as we meet together in groups, these community of believers that we call churches. What does this plan have in store for the church? 
how are churches to go about being a part of fulfilling that plan, being a part of being faithful to that plan? Paul will also tell these people in Ephesus that he's worried about that this plan actually affects their relationships. It's not just about how the church goes out into the world and makes proclamations. It's about how the church and its members interact with others within the church and within their society and even within their families. How is it that people who are faithful to the plan of God interact with other people? So ultimately, as he gets to the end of the letter, he makes it very practical and very personal and lets us know how that plan plays out for each of us. I know a lot of times you'll hear people talk about, I'm just trying to figure out God's plan for my life. I don't know what God has in store for me. Well, the reality is some of those tiny little details God never promised to reveal to us, what he told us was what his plan is and how we can be faithful to that plan. And as we are, it will affect our daily actions. It will affect our attitudes. This plan will play itself out in my life. And as I look back, I'll be able to see myself as a part of the plan see the times and places where I was able to help move that plan forward, that I was willing to work with God to accomplish his purposes. Paul was afraid that false teachers would come in and derail the church in Ephesus from its purpose and its fidelity to the plan of God. I think this can be helpful to us in our day when there are so many voices and so much noise about Christians and Christianity. How do we get back and make sure that we're only doing what it is that God wants us to do? How do we get rid of the things that have become entrapments for us as we try to navigate life in this world? What is God's plan and how do we fit in it? That's what we're going to look at over the next several episodes, and I hope that you'll join me on that journey, because above all else, our desire should be to please God and not man. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.